Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're excited to be coming to you through this platform today. We hope that your heart is encouraged, that your faith is stirred by what God speaks to you today. God bless you. Enjoy the message. We're going to talk about Joseph today, and I got tickled while Bishop was talking about how things sometimes come in a different package than we expected, because when I read the life of Joseph, I often think, what package did he think his dream was going to come in? And he didn't know what I was preaching today, but I think I bet it wasn't the package that he ended up getting his dream in when I think about Joseph. Joseph, if you're not familiar with him, is one of the sons of Jacob. Jacob's name is also Israel. Joseph was one of uh, Jacob's sons, and he actually was his favorite son. He says that he said he was his favorite son, and then he gave him a coat just so all of his brothers would never forget that Joseph was the favorite son. If you have multiple children, I do not recommend Jacob's tactic for highlighting his favorite son. It did not make Joseph very popular with his brothers that every time they saw him, he had to wear a fancy coat that announced, here comes dad's favorite out to check on us again. But some other things that you might not know about Jacob or, or Joseph, but maybe you do, is that even though we refer to God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of our faith, there is more scripture devoted to the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis than any of the other three, that God is teaching us something through the life of Joseph. And today, I just want us to lean in for a minute about what we can learn. We're not going to learn all of it because there's so much to take from the life of Joseph. I want to encourage you to check it out this week, to get into your word, to start in Genesis 37 and read what God is teaching us through Joseph's life. But we're going to talk about a little bit of it. If you turn with me to Genesis 37, verse 5, we're going to start out here. We're going to read a couple portions of scripture as we look at what God will say to us today. It says, and now Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers, they hated him even more. They already hated him, and now they hated him more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose, and it stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? And so, even more, they hated him for his dreams and for his words. And then we're going to jump about five chapters, which is 13 years in Joseph's life. Joseph was 17 in Genesis 37. He's now 30 years old in Genesis 42. We're going to look at uh, first verse 6, and then we're going to jump to verses 8 and 9. Verse 6, it says, Now Joseph was governor over the land, and he was the one who, who sold to all of the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves. This isn't a dream anymore. This is what's happening in Joseph's life. And bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Jumping to verse 8, it says, And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had had of them. And if we just looked at these two portions of scripture about Joseph's life, these two kind of bookends to his story, we might think what a charmed life Joseph has had. God gives Joseph a dream about all of his brothers, his older brothers, coming and bowing down before him. 
And God fulfills Joseph's dream. And here come Joseph's brothers bowing down before him, asking him to help them with what happens. But in that space between, there is so much more that happens in Joseph's life. And too often this is what happens in our own lives and in the lives of the people around us is that we see somebody's story and we hear the two bookends of their story. Maybe we'll tell a little bit about how they came from such meager beginnings, how they didn't grow up on the right side of the track, how they were the youngest or the least likely. We'll tell a piece of their story and then we jump decades in the future and say, and look what a success they are now. And look how far they have come. And look how God has blessed them. And look how their dreams have been fulfilled. And we skip all of the messy middle that's in there. And if we skip all of the messy middle of Joseph's life, we miss the point. Because in the space between Joseph receiving his dream and realizing his dream is the process that God takes him through to prepare him for his dream. I know that 17-year-old Joseph wasn't ready for his dream because he was too excited about it. Joseph got a dream and ran and told his brothers, I had a dream that all of you are going to bow down before me. That tells me that something had not been formed in him enough yet to really understand the ramifications and the implications of his dream. That there was some more process that Joseph needed to walk through. And I have to wonder, as Joseph was walking through this process, how many times he said, I'd rather send this back where it came from. I don't know if the dream is worth it anymore. I wonder how many times Joseph said, I'd like to return this, please. I'd like to exchange it for something else. Today, we're stepping into a new series that we're calling Return to Sender. I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life, maybe a moment in this year, maybe a moment in this week, that you've said, you know what? I'd like to send that right back, thank you. I'd like to send it back where it came from. I'd like to exchange it for a different policy. I'd like to swap this out for a different version of my current reality. I'm not a big returner like when you um, go out to eat, you know? and you order food, and then you send it back. I, I don't often send my food back. I just think there are too many other good things going on in my life, and God's been so faithful, and let's not make mountains over molehills. And so if they forget to take the tomato off my sandwich, I'm one of those people who just kind of goes, oh, I'll slide the tomato off and deal with it. It's not really that big of a situation to me. But every now and then, you have a moment. Let me tell you about a moment that I had. Bill and I were traveling with his family, and we all stopped to get breakfast at this place, and I ordered this breakfast, and there are a lot of us, so it was taking a while to get it, and it finally uh, comes out, and I'd ordered like bacon and eggs and toast, right? Pretty standard breakfast order. My bacon, now I'm a crispy bacon lover. I like my bacon like when you hold it and it doesn't move. It's a big debate in the Ryburn household. Phil likes his bacon very, very soft. Yes, all the, you know, all the flimsy bacon people are like, amen. I like mine to crunch when I eat it. Come on. Can I get some? Yeah. Online, let us know. It's going to be the takeaway of the day. 
<laughs> we don't need any more division. Can the floppy bacon and the crispy bacon people please live together in harmony today? So anyway, so we're at this restaurant and my bacon and my eggs finally comes out and I can see when they set it down that this is very floppy bacon. But I'm not a big returner. There's like a hundred of us Ryburns when we're all together. So I'm like, it's going to be fine. I go to eat my bacon and it is cold. cold. Not like room temperature, like they made mine first and it kind of, you know, cooled off while they were getting the rest ready. It is cold. Like they took it from the refrigerator and put it onto my plate. Cold. Okay, this is a line even too far for me. And I said, I have to return this and ask you to bring it back to me in a better way. Sometimes things just go a little bit too far. You know, you can put up with so much in your life where you say, this is just the process of life. Sometimes there are just things that we have to walk through. There are certain things that you go through and you say everything is not going to be butterflies and rainbows all of the time and we just have to go with it. But then sometimes there's a line that you think is potentially your breaking point and you say this is just a bit too far and I would like to return this particular moment. This cold bacon moment in my life needs to get sent back where it came from. But Joseph had to walk through this process. He didn't get to return the moments because what do you do when it's not the food that they brought you on your table? It's the life that you're living. It's the situations that you're encountering. It's the dream that God gave you. It's your here and now, and there is nowhere to return it to. There is nowhere to go but forward. And Joseph just keeps walking. If you're not familiar with Joseph's story, I'm going to try and give you a quick summary. I already told you he was his dad's favorite, and that made him hated by his brothers. What I didn't tell you is that they hated him so much that one day his dad sent him to go check on his older brothers. Joseph did have a little bit of a reputation being kind of a tattletale. And he got out there, and they got so worked up and so done with it and so talked themselves into a tizzy, which reminds me how important it is who you're talking to and who you're taking advice to and what circle you're living your life in the middle of but that's a different message for a different day because those boys got themselves so worked up that they dropped Joseph in a pit and while he was in a pit they decided the best thing that they could do with their younger brother is sell him into slavery so they sold him to the Ishmaelites took his pretty coat that his daddy had gave him back to him and presented it as if to imply that Joseph had died they do some fancy footwork with the way that they present it with blood on it and let Jacob come to that assumption on his own. But Joseph goes off to Egypt and gets bought into Potiphar's house. And then it kind of looks like Joseph's life is turning up because he gets great favor with Potiphar. And Potiphar puts him over all of his house. And it looks like maybe he's on his way to his dream again. But Potiphar has a wife who's a little bit loose, let's say. We don't have kids' church, so I'm trying to be appropriate. And she starts coming after Joseph, but Joseph maintains his integrity, and he runs from her, but his coat 
gets him in a little bit of trouble again because his coat stays there and she brings her, his coat once again and tells on him and makes it sound like Joseph was coming after her and Potiphar's not having any of that and he puts Joseph in prison. And then Joseph is in prison and while he's in prison, he meets these two guys and he interprets their dream for them because Joseph's gift still works no matter where he is. And he tells them exactly what's going to happen and he says, and don't forget me because the cupbearer is going to get out and he's going to get reinstated to his original position. And the cupbearer says, you got it, dude. But then the cupbearer does forget him for like two years because the cupbearer kind of was only really concerned with his own moment and his own situation. So there's Joseph again in prison until the cupbearer remembers him because Pharaoh has dreams that he can't figure out and nobody can figure out. And finally the cupbearer says, ah, I know a guy who knows about dreams. He was really helpful and he was really accurate and they go get Joseph out and they bring him out and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams about how there's gonna be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine and they should start working right now so that they're ready for the second half. And Pharaoh says, great idea, you sound like the guy for the job and Joseph organizes the whole country. Now he's not just over Potiphar's house, now he's second only to Pharaoh and now the whole land is in famine and this brings us to where his brothers come to him and say, Joseph, we need help, except for they don't know that it's Joseph. We need help because we are in famine and Joseph has prepared the land so that there is still plenty in the land. And in all of that time, God is preparing him for this moment. And all of the ups and the downs and all of the backs and the forth and all of what would be a celebrated moment in Joseph's life, God is forming him and forging him so that he could be ready. And I have to wonder how many times Joseph wished he could have returned it. How many times he said, I wish I could send this dream back. I wish that God hadn't given me this dream. I wish I hadn't buried it in my heart. I wonder how many times this year you've looked and said, I wish I could return these kids to school. I wish I could return to the wedding plans that I had imagined at the beginning of this year. I wish I could return to the profit margins that I had forecasted for 2020 before I knew that a pandemic was going to set in. And do you find yourself now questioning where God has brought you? Do you find yourself now questioning the dream that God gave you or trusting him and leaning into the process? Because guess what? It might be concentrated this year, but it's not just this year. There is something about the process of what happens that is the space that connects us between the dream that God gives us and the realization of that dream. You have a, a dream to have a lasting marriage where you grow old together. Guess what? There's a process between that moment and the dream when God plants it in your heart. You have a dream to be a father who shows up for your kids. Guess what? There's a process between the realization of that dream and the, the dreaming of that dream. You have a dream for your home business to become a household name. There is a process in the midst of that, a dream for your monthly giving or donation to a child to turn into scholarships that send hundreds of kids through college there is a process to grow that thing if you want greatness in your life if God has given you great dreams that are going to affect and and reach out to others there is a process that we have to be willing to go through to see those dreams realized I want to encourage you today to not lose sight 
of the dream that you have in the midst of the pain of the process. Because where there is process, there will be pain. But Joseph endured the pain and saw the realization of his dream because God used those painful moments. He didn't send them, but he used those painful moments in Joseph's life to form him into the person that he needed to be when the realization of his dream would come. Joseph had to endure the pain of disbelief. Joseph came and told his family, the people who you would think would be most excited for him about this great big dream that he had been given. He came with all of the excitement to share the thing that God had placed in his heart. And instead of being met with encouragement, instead of being met with excitement, he was met with disbelief from his family. And I have to think how that pain, Joseph, how it hit him in his gut to think, why won't even my family be excited for me? But what God taught him in the moment was not to believe the voices of those around you, but to believe the dream that God has placed on the inside of you. Joseph was going to need to know for where he was going that he could listen and trust the voice of God. Joseph had to endure accusation. I find this so interesting that his brothers in, uh, in Genesis 37 and 19, when Joseph comes to his brothers, they accuse him of the very thing that God has called him to be. They say, here comes the dreamer. Isn't it strange when somebody takes the thing that's God's gift to you and then uses it as an accusation against you? They say it to him as if it's a negative thing. And I can't imagine what Joseph must be thinking. Yeah, I am the dreamer. That's the gift that God gave me. What does is, what is someone accuse you of? You know, there's that tone that you can put on something. And almost anything positive, you think, well, I think they're accusing me of this. Here comes college, boy. You're like, I did graduate from college, Yes. I'm actually very proud of that fact in my life. I actually think it's something that God gave me to help me succeed and grow me. And they start accusing him and trying to take the very thing that God formed him to be and making it a negative thing in his life. But in that moment, Joseph had to, to, to learn to trust who God had called him to be over who people called him to be over who people would see him as, who people would say him as. To his brothers, he would always only be their younger brother. And they couldn't see the thing that God had placed in him. And so as they accused him day after day, as other accusations came against him, Joseph learned to trust in who God says I am. Joseph had to learn to overcome the pain of rejection over and over again, unaccepted by his brothers, not let into the group, and what a group they were. But rejection hurts if the crowd is good or if the crowd is not good, if you think you want to be part of it. Joseph's brothers are all out tending the sheep, and he's at home, not allowed to come in. And it said like three times in two verses, they hated him. Didn't just dislike him, they hated him deep in their heart and they rejected who he was. And Joseph had to learn how to be found in God when he couldn't be found in the crowd. To find that stability in himself. Joseph had to learn the pain of disempowerment because they sold him into slavery. 
into slavery where they would shackle him and where he was no longer a son of the house in the favored coat walking around able to make decisions, but instead he was shackled and he was bound up and it seemed like he would never be able to go after the thing that God had placed on the inside of him. But God continued to show him, even in those disempowered moments, that the thing that he had placed on the inside of him would continue to rise up. In every place that God placed Joseph, he rose to leadership. In Potiphar's house, he rose up to be over all of it. In the prison, he rose up to be over and in charge. And it says that the guard gave him trust with all of the other prisoners that prepared him to be placed by Pharaoh and be over everything because Joseph knew in himself that it wasn't what he could do, but it was what God was doing in him. It was the gift of God in him rising up. He knew the pain of being lied on when Potiphar's wife lied on him. And then even though he held on to his integrity, he had to suffer the consequences of her lie. And he had to learn in that moment that it was his integrity before God that mattered more than anything and to find himself in that. He knew what it was to be forgotten and not just to be forgotten, but to be used. When the cupbearer said, let me use your gift, Joseph. Let me get what I can get out of your gift. And then I won't even have the decency to remember you like I said I would. And I wonder if Joseph sat in that cell thinking I've been forgotten by people. And I wonder if I've been forgotten by God as well. And he had to walk through that pain. But he found out that even when people forgot him, that God continued to favor him in that moment that God was with him and that you're not forgotten by God and he found another part of himself and then there was a pain that Joseph found in being elevated. Joseph kept being elevated to roles of leadership and there is a different pain than the pain of being rejected, the pain of being forgotten that comes with the pain of being elevated because there is a pain that comes with the pressure of having to make the decisions. There's a pain that comes with the pressure of being entrusted. There's a pain that comes with the reality that you now have something to lose. Joseph knew how to survive at the bottom of a pit because he had grown up being hated and forgotten by his brothers, but now he had been elevated and entrusted, and God takes him through this cycle of being elevated and losing it and being elevated and losing it to remind him that he is found in God and that it is God who elevates him, that it is God who trusts, who has trusted him, that if God can give it to him and can remove it and give it to him again, that no person can elevate Joseph, but that Joseph Joseph is elevated in the presence of God. And perhaps you've known the pain of dealing with the pit of your life. Perhaps you knew how to make it on a small salary. Perhaps you knew how to handle things when you were single and just taking care of yourself. But now you have a household that you're entrusted with. Now God gave you a business that you're entrusted with. And there are many people's salaries depending on the decisions that you make. And you thought, I, know what, I knew what to do when I was forgotten. I knew what to do when I was rejected. I knew what to do when people didn't believe that I could build this business. I knew what to do when no one thought that I would be able to even get into this college. But now I've got a little something in the game. 
Now there's a little bit more to it. Now I've earned a little bit. Now some more people are counting on me. Now there's a different kind of pain that Joseph is experiencing. And maybe you find yourself walking through it as well, saying, what do I do with the pain when I've been brought into a place of elevation? And Joseph learns how to walk through that as God forges him and prepares him. And he learns how to lean into God in a different way. I think of Galatians 1.10. Galatians 1.10 says that we learn not to live at the approval of man or of people, but learn to live for God because we are servants of Christ. And the space that is the difference between the receiving of the dream and the realizing of the dream is a process that takes Joseph through not having to listen to the voice of everyone around him, not having to listen and be approved by all of the different people in his life, not looking for validation from his brothers, not looking for validation from Potiphar or from Pharaoh or even from his father, but looking from validation only from God from finding a stability in himself that says, if this is the road that God has me on, if this is the gift that God gave me, if this is the dream that God gave me, as long as he's still with me, I will walk and I will stand in this path. There's a steadiness that Joseph finds in it. I think there's a few reasons that Joseph could hold steady in the midst of all of the pain of his process. The one is that Joseph knew that the Lord was with him. It says repeatedly throughout his story, and God was with him. In the midst of the prison, it says, and that the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. Reminds me that when I walk through the fires, like the Hebrew boys, if God is with me, then I can endure the flames. That even when the oceans seem to roar, if God is with me, he can split the seas and make a highway. Or he can speak to the wind and calm the storm. The question is not if I'm in the midst of the storm. The question is not if I find myself in a prison place. The question is not is the heat of the fire turning up. The question is, is God still with me? And as long as the Lord is with you, you can walk through that place. In the middle of a year where you have looked around and wondered, is God still here? I want you to hear resounding, God has not left you in this place. He is still with you. He is still walking. He is still speaking. In the valley of the shadow of death, he walks through it with you and you can be found in the shadow of his wing and know that he is your comforter know that he is your peace know that he is your provision know that he is your unity know that he is your ever-present God that he is the way in the midst of no way that he is the stream in the dry place know that he is our God our Jehovah Jireh our Jehovah Rapha it's time to lean in to who God is that he is with you, that he is not a God that leaves you or forsakes you. He's not a God who brought you here to abandon you. He's a God who is walking you through a process because the dream that he gave you is still true. And you're on your way to realizing that dream, but he has to make sure that you are ready for the dream. And so he's walking you through the process. 
I think part of the reason Joseph knew that God was still with him is that his gift never left him. God gave Joseph a gift of these dreams. Joseph would lay his head to rest at night and God would speak to him in his dreams. Joseph would hear other people's dreams and he would say, oh, I know what that means. I think it's a special gift to be able to interpret dreams because most of the time I wake up to dreams and I'm like, that was weird. But Joseph said, that was weird and I can tell you what it means. He knew how to interpret that dream and even when he was in his prison moment, when he looked the farthest from his dream that he could possibly get, He is in a different country from his brothers who apparently are going to be bowing down before him. And he is in no position of authority where someone would be coming and bowing down to him. But he is down in the prison. But even there, some guys come to him and they say, we've been having this dream. And Joseph says, my gift still works. And I think God gave him a gift that still worked in that moment to help other people, but also to remind him that I'm still with you. Every time Joseph's gift showed up, it reminded him, God gave me that gift. I know that Joseph knew that his gift was for God because when he spoke to the cupbearer and to the baker, he said to them, do not interpretations come from the Lord. He reminded himself even, in my gift, it's not me working my gift, but it's God working through me. And he gave it to me as a reminder that he's with me. So whatever God's put in your hand to do in this season, whatever that gift is that he's given you, don't leave and abandon your gift. Lean into your gift because you'll hear the voice of God speaking to you in the midst of that gift. When you bake those cookies, do it and know that God has gifted you for it. When you're crunching those numbers, know that God has gifted you for it. And don't you hear his voice speaking to you at that desk as you're encouraging others, as you're singing that song, as you're building that house, whatever the gift that God has given to you, do the thing that God has given to you and hear him speaking to you in the process of it. He has given you a gift as a reminder that he is still with you. And sometimes it's as much about what we see as what we don't see in a moment. The other thing that I think helped Joseph stay steady is that he didn't try to fulfill his own dream. We don't see Joseph in the scripture trying to create scenarios that would allow his brothers to come and to bow down before him. It speaks to me a lot because I kind of like to get involved in what's happening. That's a nice way of saying I have control issues that the Holy Spirit and I have been working on for a long time. They're better than they used to be. They're not as good as they're going to be. Because I used to always joke that God wouldn't, didn't tell me earlier that this is what I was going to end up doing because I would have been like, thanks for that. I'm going to go make that happen now and get myself involved in it. And I think Joseph had to probably have heard the story of his great-grandfather who had a dream of having a son even though he was in his old age. And when Abraham didn't see his promise coming to pass, when the package that his promise came in didn't look like the time or the process that Abraham thought it was going to happen in, Abraham decided to get himself involved in the process. And I have to think that that story got told to Joseph about the detour that Abraham took. And that when it came to his time to walking out his process, 
as much as he probably said, God, where are you taking me? God, what are we doing in this process? God, I know you gave me a dream and this doesn't look like my dream anymore. God, where are we? There was something in him that held steady and said, I'm gonna trust in God. I'm not gonna involve myself. And I wanna encourage you today. It's not that there's not work to be done. Joseph was faithful in the things that were given to him. He was consistent, he was steady, he was excellent in everything that was put under his charge. But he didn't go outside of that space and say, I'm gonna start pulling all of these things together and I'm gonna start making it happen. He learned how to just stay, stay in the pit, stay where I am, stay in Potiphar's house, stay in the prison until God put him over Egypt and his brothers came to him. My prayer over you today is that you would trust in God, that he is the giver of the dream and that the giver of the dream is faithful, that he is consistent, that he is the same God that gave you the dream as the God who is walking you through the process. But he needs you to be who you need to be to receive the dream. And so he's gonna keep forming you more in his image. He's gonna keep walking you in this path. And as he walks with you and he speaks with you, as he prepares you to receive the dream, lean into him. I pray that your heart would trust in him. You know how I know that God was forming Joseph to be who he needed to be to when the dream came to pass? Because when the dream comes to pass, Joseph says what no one would say if it wasn't for God working in them. In Joseph 50, Joseph and his brothers come. Joseph 50, and let's look at verse 19 and 20. Joseph's brothers come to him, and they're afraid that now that their father has died, Joseph is going to take his revenge. Like he's been really holding off on it for the sake of their father. But in, Joseph, in Genesis 50, 19 and 20, Joseph says, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Because Joseph had learned what it was to listen to the crowd, to listen to his own voices, or to listen to the voice of God in his process. It says, as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God had formed something in Joseph, changed something in Joseph. He wasn't a brother any longer trying to play competition with his brothers. He wasn't a boy any longer trying to find his place among the pack. He wasn't insecure anymore trying to figure out if he kept walking, if God was really there. There was a steady confidence in Joseph that God had built in his process. And what I want you to know today is that God is building a steady confidence in his people in this season. That as we walk through one of the strangest years we have seen in our lifetime, wondering are we going to be able to gather like this in another week or two, wondering what our workplaces are going to look like, implementing new restrictions on every side, looking at social unrest and economic unrest and, and all kinds of, I saw the other day that we're out of coins. I was out at a store and they have a sign up saying we, we don't have any more coins and I was like, can we get a break? 
Like, is everything just moving and shaking and crumbling? But in the midst of the process, God is forming something in his people that says, what is it that you're counting on? Are you counting on the treasury? Are you counting on the physical body that you were born into, into the neighborhood that you were born into? Are you counting on the physical buildings that I have placed you in, in the communities I've put you in? Are you counting on your government officials? Are you counting on the things that you thought that you knew? Are you counting on the business that you built? Are you counting on the workplace that you go to? Or are you counting on the dream that I gave you and the God that I am? Because there is still a dream in the people of God that everyone would hear the name of Jesus Christ and that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. And if he is going to take us all the way to the realization of that dream, you heard Bishop say it from one place, tens of thousands of people can hear the message of the gospel. He is preparing his people for a time like we have never seen before. He is preparing his people for a realization that we have never seen before. He is shaking some things to say, I need a people who have been formed in the midst of the process. I need a people who have been formed along with me, who didn't get lost in the midst of the fire, who didn't get lost in the midst of the storm, but instead found something steady inside themselves that said, I don't care what the crowd says. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what the noise says. I serve a God who is faithful. And we are going to be who God needs us to be to see the realization of this dream on the other side. If you're in this room and you're able, I want you to stand to your feet. However you're watching online, just lean your heart in. God, we commit to you to stay faithful, to stay steady, to keep our eyes focused on you. And we surrender our lives to be formed by you. God, form us in the process. We know that you are walking with us. We know that you have given us gifts. And we commit not to try to do it out of our own work or out of our own hand, but to trust in you that in the season, in the timing, in the moment where it's right for the fulfilling of the dreams that you have spoken, that we will see everything that you have declared over each individual life, God. God, I speak a breath coming on dreams that have been laid down. The dreams that you let the crowd bury from you. Let the voice of God speak to it again. Let it rise up in you again. And God, for us as a people, As a corporate body, God, we commit to running after the dream that you have given us. You are an awesome God. You're a faithful God. I thank you that you're a way-making God. Even when it doesn't look like it, you're working on our behalf, God. Even when it doesn't seem like it, you're moving on our behalf, God. 
Help our hearts be found in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that message meant something to you and that it means something in your days to come. Yeah, if this message has blessed you and you want to sow into the ministry of Cornerstone Church, you can do so from wherever you are today. Simply jump on our website at cornerstone.church and you can find the link there so that you can give in whatever way is most convenient to you. And we'll see you back here next time.